Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Today's podcast is sponsored by SLI Systems, providers of intelligent site search and navigation solutions. Learn more at sli-systems.com and listen to their interviews at ecommercepodcast.com. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. There are millions of internet users that are blind, deaf, or otherwise unable to use a website in a traditional manner. Making sure a site functions for these users is called accessibility, and our guest today is an expert on that topic. Joseph Dolson is the owner of Accessible Web Design, a St. Paul, Minnesota-based firm that designs and consults on accessibility matters. He has spoken at the Search Engine Strategies trade show. He's a contributor to Practical E-Commerce, and we're pleased to have him join us today. Well, Joe, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Joe, tell us how many users on the web depend on accessibility help. That's a difficult question to answer, um, largely because what's considered accessibility help is a, is a very difficult area to study. Um, everything from just enlarging the size of the text, which you, any user can do using the tools of the browser, is an accessibility um, function. And I can say with confidence that everybody, including my, my next door neighbor who's 52 and in excellent health, uh, might be such a person. He enlarges the uh, browser text to its maximum uh, size on his own computer, uh, though he would be otherwise considered totally normal in functionality. Beyond that, beyond altering text size, do you know how many users need, I don't want to use the term special help, but something beyond a built-in function like enlarging text? You mean something like a screen reader or uh, other specialized tools? I I can't honestly say I know the number off the top of my head. it's something that in accessibility, I actually try and make a point not to address too much just because um, every person is a potential customer or client or user, and um, that number is constantly changing. The fact that your clients are all perfectly able today doesn't mean they won't have a horrible accident, tom- accident tomorrow and lose their sight. Um, it's probably as high as 10%, possibly higher, 
but I don't want to be held too close to that number. Okay. So 10% of the population or 10% of web users? Population is what I was thinking of. Web users, it actually might be higher. Joe, you've, you've written about, for practical e-commerce, you've written about recent changes in accessibility standards adopted by the World Wide Web Consortium. Uh, tell us what is the World Wide Web Consortium? Uh, the World Wide Web Consortium, also known as the W3C, is a, an international group of companies and um, technical experts on web, so web elements, the elements that constitute the web, who meet together to decide standards that will be commonly used by browser manufacturers, website designers, and all sorts of other uh, creators of software that interacts online to have a common base. It includes members such as uh, you know, Apple, Microsoft, uh, big tech companies want to have a say. But it also has um, invited members from all across the world who are just casual experts to advise on issues. How is it that WSC3 is the entity that in a de facto way, determines accessibility standards. How did that evolve to be? Now, first of all, it's far from the only group that dis has decided on accessibility standards. Um, there are actually a lot of different sets of accessibility standards. Um, many of them do owe a lot to what has come out of the W3C, but they are far from the only group to do that. Um, and, but the reason they do that is that it's actually a very natural extension from the fact they are, you know, they're responsible for deciding what HTML is and what XHTML is um, and the nature of those technologies. So they're actually very well positioned to look at those technologies and figure out this is how they should be able to interact with users. Um, this is what's necessary for them to be able to do that. They also um, have a set of guidelines for creators of technologies such as assistive technology or browsers on how they should interact with that technology to make it available for accessibility. So it's a very broad-reaching organization. Does the W3C, do they have physical offices somewhere? I'm curious. Uh, yes, they do yeah. have physical is it, offices. Um, is it in the U.S.? I believe it's at um, MIT. I think they have oh, okay. three offices, one in, at MIT, one in Japan, and one in France. Joe, your firm focuses on accessible web design. Your firm is Accessible Web Design, in fact, is the name of your firm. Yep. Uh, could you tell us more about your background, your firm's work, and how you came to focus on that area of work? Well, I, I came into accessibility uh, first, actually, before I went into web design and development. Uh, so I, I didn't work in accessibility, but I grew up with accessibility being an issue. Um, my mother has long, long worked in uh, accessibility for the arts and in education. And so you know, I, I just grew up steeped in the idea that 
you know, there's a way to make everything available to people who might have a disability. And when I um, was looking at going into web design, it just was an immediate thought to me. It's like, well, you know, obviously this should be some place where I can apply this knowledge and interest I have in accessibility and I can make, you know, what I do very socially meaningful for all my clients. So that's something that I decided right from the beginning that I was going to bring into my business was a concern with accessibility. Our listeners, of course, are e-commerce merchants, mainly smaller e-commerce merchants. What are some common problems that you see, common accessibility problems you see, Joe, when you visit smaller e-commerce sites? Well, um, one of the, the biggest ones is actually with the checkout process, I'd say. With a lot of the, the well, I don't, I don't want to point out any particular software because most software can be pretty heavily configured if, if you know what you're doing. Um, but there's a, there's a common tendency to create forms and uh, displays of those forms which can pose a lot of limitations for people with disabilities. And obviously, you know, if a, if a user can't get through your checkout, you're, uh, you're in trouble. I mean, you know, they're stuck. Give us an example of how a form can be inaccessible. Absolutely. Um, uh, form controls, if they're improperly labeled, uh, they might not allow a user to be able to associate a particular control with a particular piece of information. Um, a, a button, a submit button, it's possible to create them in such a manner that they can only be triggered using a mouse, and you actually would not be able to use them if you can't use a mouse. And uh, blind users most certainly uh, are not able to use a mouse or a pointing device. Um, they might not have appropriate alt attributes in an image-based button, which would mean that they're not, they don't know what this button is. And, you know, obviously, if you can't distinguish between a um, submit your order button and a cancel your order button, there's a good chance you're not going to place that order. Is that the main inadequacy you see is checkout processes? It's probably the most critical inadequacy. Um, mm -hmm. Other things are always present. There's always going to be certain limitations in how readily available certain information is. You know, uh, there's a strong tendency to put things like your shipping policies, your return policies into pop-ups and that sort of thing, which uh, may not be usable by people with disabilities. Um, when it opens a new window, they may not be aware of the new window. If it uh, is brought up using an Ajax trigger, uh, there may not be any announcement notifying them that this is now present and they need to read it. And those can be major issues as well. They don't necessarily directly affect the ordering process, but a lot of users, if they can't identify how you're going to ship things or what they can do with them if there's a problem, uh, they will also be reluctant to order. Joe, anything else? Our listeners, uh, again, our e-commerce merchants, anything else on your mind today for them as it relates to accessibility? Well, I think the, the biggest thing for a, a small e-commerce merchant to always remember is that um, they're trying to sell to purchasers, not to users, which is to say that you know what you're selling may not be something that's even usable by somebody who's blind, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to purchase it because a lot of people with visual disabilities especially 
um, they buy gifts. <laughs> your your customer and your product u- end user are just not necessarily the same person, and you should never eliminate the likelihood of a disabled user on the basis of what you're selling. Joe, I know your website has lots of helpful information on accessibility. I've benefited from your site before. Uh, your company, again, is Accessible Web Design, and the URL of your website, I want to repeat, repeat or I'm going to state that URL for our listeners, it's joedolson.com. That's Joe, J-O-E, Dolson, D as in David, O-L, S as in Sam, O-N as in Nancy, joedolson.com. And Joe Dolson, the president and founder of Accessible Web Design, we want to thank you for your time today, sir. Thanks a lot. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.